There are times when we wish those who have done wrong in the past will get a chance at a redemption. But every story needs a villain, and fate may twist to make that happen. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I speak with Tomasu and Nick of the World Anvil about the upcoming tabletop role-playing game, Broken Tales. In this dark fantasy, you take on the role of those fairy tale villains taking control of their fate and righting their own wrongs. We talk about system, fairy tale rewrites, and developing community. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am joined by two incredible creators and some people that I've had some nice conversation with already talking about a new upcoming game that is really cool, really exciting. But Tomasu, Phoenix, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this week. Thank you for having us. Hi. Yeah, it's great to be here. (laughs) This is one of those games that I've heard a lot about through stream, through Fool's Moon, Specifically from you, Phoenix, you've actually told me a lot about this game, and I'm really excited to explore some of its themes and its tones. But before we get started talking about Broken Tales, could you please tell the audience about yourselves and how you're involved with this project and maybe with World Anvil? Maybe I can start. Um, So my name is Tommaso De Benetti. Uh, As the name suggests, I'm, I'm Italian. I don't live in Italy. I live in Finland. Uh, I've been here for uh, 15 years now. Um, I always had a huge passion for RPGs. I started when I was nine. Uh, Actually, I started playing HeroQuest. And then uh, uh, after a few days of HeroQuest, a friend told me, hey, if you like this, you're going to love this. And then he took me (laughs) in in, in a a abandoned house and and, uh, he was showing me uh, D&D. So I I started with (laughs) D&D like like the the red red box. This is a bit of, if you're familiar with Stranger Things, uh, I'm a... Um, I, I kind of, my beginnings were a bit like, uh, they are depicted in the show over the years. I've been moving away from D and uh, I tried a lot of systems, uh, Warhammer, a vampire, uh, a lot of world of darkness in general, uh, mm-hmm. became a part of a gaming club, uh, in Italy and, uh, through the gaming club, it was easy to try different things. So I didn't get stuck on D&D. And after trying uh, a lot of other systems and uh, settings, uh, I, I kind of found out that I preferred other things and other experiences. I do have yeah. uh, several editions of D&D. I even have the fifth edition with me. But I have to say, I find it so boring. That is one of the few games <laughs> that I haven't really fi- finished reading. Um, I, there's no, like, honestly, I, I, I'm happy that um, it had some kind of resurgence because, mm-hmm. uh, it allowed a lot of people, uh, to try the, the hobby. I'm just a bit surprised that so many are drawn to it because it's not a very easy system to start with. There's a lot to read no. and it, and it's really kind of boring, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but, but it's, but, it, but it's okay. It's okay. I mean, like whatever works and, uh, from there. Uh, some of them, uh, in the end, they try other things, and and there's so many games out there that are very exciting. For me, it's always been horror has been the, my main draw. Oh, yeah. I play a lot of oh, things, yeah. but horror has oh, been okay. has been my main uh, passion. <laughs> so as I was saying, I, I've been playing a lot of World of Darkness. I've been playing a lot of Cult um, mm-hmm. and other other systems. And um, well, after many years uh, being abroad and uh, I didn't have my gaming group um, for for some years it wasn't that easy to be in touch with your friends because there weren't these instant messengers that you have now WhatsApp or Discord or so yeah. I didn't have a gaming group uh, and I, I started to be nostalgic and I suggested to a friend hey maybe we should uh, try to write an RPG together hmm. and then we started that way uh, we started with a sci-fi setting that isn't translated into English, even though there is an English uh, reduction of it in, in another game. Uh, it's, oh. The setting is called uh, uh, Nostalgia uh, La Flotta Nomade in Italian, and uh, you can find a shorter condensed version of the setting uh, within uh, uh, 
the game of our friend, uh, not the end. It was on Kickstarter last year in English. Um, it's it's a kind of a generic system, but uh, the, the the book also features several settings, and one of them it's this reduced version of our uh, original setting. Like the, the original version is three hundred fifty pages. We uh, made uh, this uh, short version uh, into twenty. So you can imagine oh that there's gosh. been some cuts here. <laughs> Yeah, some cuts here and there. <laughs> yeah, but uh, basically we started more of as a hobby and uh, we became a real company in uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, Broken Tales is our first uh, game uh, in English. We published several titles in Italian before, before Broken Tales. And mm-hmm. the plan is that from now on, pretty much everything we do will also be uh, available in English. Maybe other languages, but uh, no promises there. That's rad. It is. Ah, that's so exciting. <laughs> you mentioned horror being something that you're really into. I think that July, well, late June through August has been my unofficial let's talk about horror games because I don't know if we've had a non horror theme thing on the show for about six weeks now. <laughs> you're meeting a lot of creepy people. Uh, I love it. I love. I so I've talked about this a lot, but I'm doing a horror writing class right now, and I'm really into horror podcasts, and it's just like it's very fun, you know. Stars have aligned, well, and I get to talk about scary stuff. My first big passion as a um, like books that, that that I actually enjoyed reading was Stephen King, so I think that had a huge yeah. impact on my preferences yeah. and. Uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, thus far I've been reading maybe half of the stuff he wrote because I think he's a uh, <laughs> his total bibliography is around eighty books or something like that. I think I read yeah. maybe forty. Yeah. Wow. So I still have a bit to read. Uh, the guy it's very <laughs> prolific, even a bit too much maybe. But yeah, I don't know how to follow that. I never started in in an abandoned house to play TTRPGs. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a hard act to follow. But hey, everyone who's listening, my name is Nick Cruz. I am the uh, community manager for the World Anvil Publishing's Discord channel. Uh, I'm also known online mostly as Phoenix Writes or Phoenix Writes TV if you watch Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I am the community manager for the World Anvil Publishing. Mostly got into the company because of Broken Tales. Someone, yes. a very bad influence on me, who is a friend, <laughs> suggested Broken. <laughs> told me about Broken Tales, and I was like, "Oh, I missed the K- the Kickstarter," and they were like, "I got you, fam. Here is the back. <laughs> here is the late pledge." I said, "Okay, fine. I'm gonna join this." <laughs> And I haven't been playing that long, TTRPG-wise, because he, uh, where I live, which is an island nation in Southeast Asia that we will not disclose for purposes, um, <laughs> we don't have a big a big community of uh, role-play gamers. It's mostly <sighs> like close-knit groups. So when I found when when I discovered tabletop role playing game, I I discovered it from friends outside of my country, and then I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I started talking to it with it with some of my friends, and we never were able to organize play until yeah. around 2020 during the pandemic oh, I why. lockdowns. <laughs> yeah. You know, pandemic times. And it started all start from there. But like, I never really, I wasn't that enthusiastic about D&D after I've played it a couple times. What what really got me going for tabletop RPGs was Call of Cthulhu. Really? Yeah, I played, I played several, like two, a two shot or a three shot of a Call of Cthulhu game set in a in the 1950s, I believe. Okay. And the horror aspect of it, the fact that it's a re- bit realistic, if you're faced with this kind of horror, there's no way that you're mostly going to survive it. Like, there's yeah. trauma that's happening. 
it wasn't a faulty PK. We didn't die. One of us did. <laughs> but <laughs> we don't talk about that one. We didn't die per se, but it the the the, the, the horror aspect of it just hooked me in. I was like, okay, I like the horror genre from books. Not so much in video games, but now I see I like it in <laughs> in tabletop role playing too. I was like, okay, let's let's do this. And then I stumbled upon uh and then I stumbled upon Broken Tales and I was like, ah, this feels like fate. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, I started. I started out just a member, honestly, and then I offered Tommaso to help him with promotions, and he was like, "Okay, let's see." And then we got our first live stream of the game before before it was. Remind me, it was going to be launching that day, that time, right? Like after, I don't remember, but uh, it was. But it was. I have no memory, but I'm an I'm an old man, so. <laughs> it's it's normal that I don't remember exactly what happened, but uh, it, to to latch to to something that Nix is saying, um, I think one one big goal uh, for Broken Tales was something not strictly related to the game. We wanted to create um, an international community for our games because um, I know that there's a lot of potential, and uh, we also try to have games that thematically you can look at them and you know that they're made by us um, in a way that they kind of fit together, uh, which is uh, um, uh, a pro and it's also a con in some ways. Uh, but um, So our one goal was to create this, this international community and I was very surprised when uh, Broken Tales uh, did so well because we expected it to do about uh, half as well as it did. And uh, the the biggest chunk of the backers are from abroad. Um, when I say abroad, I mean not Italians, not, so not from the Italian market, which is the yeah. one where we spent the last few years developing games uh, from. It is a very yeah. vital market, but it's also very small, and it's always more or less the same people uh, yeah. buying uh, stuff. And when you go to a, to an event, it's always the same authors. Everybody knows everybody else. So you need to keep a good relationship with uh, with everybody. But um, <laughs> so we managed to create, I think, a good community. We have a great Discord server. Uh, some people are more shy than others, so some take more part to the day to day activities. But overall, I was very surprised by how well it was received uh, uh, outside uh, the national uh, borders uh, where where it was conceived. You know. And and of course, like Nick say, said, um, um, they were not the only one uh, joining our uh, team, so to say, and uh, um, as as volunteers, and uh, maybe as soon as it's possible, maybe as uh, full members of, of our team, um, because we found a lot of people willing to help us uh, develop. Uh, yeah. the games and the IPs and the infrastructure to mm -hmm. not only promote the games, but also support them. For example, we, we opened a, a Reddit um, page uh, for Broken Tales where people can submit their own creations. And if you go there now, there's already quite a lot of stuff that is basically playable. Um, we got a lot of that's very all, creative all people there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've seen uh, that top-notch creators on our server. So please join. <laughs> <laughs> so we've kind of been dancing around it, though, but what is Broken Tales? I think uh, um, Nix might want to take this one. We've been working on a podcast pitch, and uh, <laughs> they made a suggestion, so let's, let's test it out. All right. So let's see this. So Broken Tales RPG is a dark fantasy RPG set in a fictional 18th century Europe that uh, mixes reality and fantasy as the line between what's real and make-believe is permanently blurred or maybe it's get, it gets erased when the realm of, the f of fairy tales gets shattered by the corrupted wish of an innocent child. Basically, it spills the world of fairy tales onto the human world. Mm -hmm. So what happens now is in Broken Tales, you 
are a former fairy tale villain who finds themselves thrust in a world where you are given this chance at redeeming yourself by joining a group called the Order of Hunters. So what you do in the Order of Hunters is you go on missions and do your share of heroics as you fight against familiar faces who used to be the lauded heroes of a, of a life that you barely recall now, the longer you stay in this world. Basically, you used to be a bad guy. Now you're not. You have a totally different backstory. You don't know what's going on, but there's still bits of darkness in you. So the, the main concept, if, if I can interject, the, the main concept here is that the classic fairy tales have been shattered. And they've been shattered for some plot reason. Uh, there's, there's been this child that uh, was granted a wish. Uh, he made the, the wish, but it was... Uh, somebody was, was whispering in his ear. Uh, they made a wrong choice. Uh, uh, the, the request seemed innocent enough. Uh, uh, the child wanted the, the villains to... Uh, become good finally but because every light needs a shadow uh, when the villains became good they were rebuilt as good characters uh, all the good classic good uh, characters of the fairy tales uh, were twisted in some way uh, not all of them became evil but all of them were twisted and uh, the consequence of that was that the fairy tales we know and we remember from Disney movies, from the Brother Grimm's, from whatever, that uh, in Broken Tales, uh, they keep the, a similar framework, but they are not yeah. the stories you remember. They, they have changed, something else happened, and uh, each one of them is basically an investigation that these hunters, which are controlled by the papacy, I think this part uh, was omitted by, by the pitch, but the Pope in person is, is uh, controlling the hunters, keeping... Uh, this magical creature under the wing of the the Church of Rome. Um, yeah, you're 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 basically so, working for the Pope. That's that's the yeah. thing that I missed. Every scenario <laughs> is an investigation where 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 the hunters are sent to find out what these broken tales have uh, caused in 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 that specific area. It's like a bit X Files. It's a bit Suicide Squad. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's Suicide Squad with fairy tales. I think uh, somebody came up with that <laughs> definition. I, f I find it very fitting. Yeah, Suicide Squad of fairy tales. It, it fits. <laughs> I know as a person who's been running these games, there are some very interesting backstories that have been changed for the hunters that you're going to find mm -hmm. out if you get a copy of the game. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. The character <laughs> backstories are so good. That was one of the first things I did when I was flipping through this and trying to find questions to ask was I scrolled right down to the bottom. First of all, art style, perfect for the tone of this. It is so eerie and creepy. And specifically, I really like the imagery for the big bad wolf because that thing is so scary. <laughs> but just reading those backstories and like how they have been shaped and retwisted bluebeard comes to mind that one's incredible yeah actually now that you mentioned that uh i need to specify i'm not the main author of the game I, i'm uh, the creative director i can uh, in a way I, I control the project uh, so yeah i know every aspect of it but the main author is a very talented uh, italian uh, um, rpg um, author is called alberto tronchi he has many games under his mm -hmm. belt and uh, he usually is usually paired with this artist uh, um, Daniel Comerci, which is also an author, but his main yeah. thing is uh, a graphic design and illustration. And uh, you will find his illustrations nowadays in many games, including uh, Cult uh, Shadowrun. Uh, he is uh, featured in all the Lordsmith material, recent Lordsmith yeah. material. Um, so you will find it in, in many, in many places, but they, 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 they form this kind of a creative team called Black Box Games. And we've been working with them since the beginning. And uh, this is a collaboration between the War Danville, uh, publishing, which is me and, and my business partner, Luca, and them as a creative force behind the project. We take all yeah. decisions together. So we're all very involved uh, with it. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I want to point it out that, that, uh, they are the main, 
yeah. um, respect, respectively writer and uh, illustrator of the game, even though you can find some of my writing in the game, in the second book, the, the broken ones, uh, there's a scenario based <laughs> on the, the happy prince that I really strongly wanted to write. So I, I pleaded with Alberto until he let me write it. But Yeah, they are such a creative team. And the way that, and like, that's something I really want to stress too, is that like, this isn't, this is definitely not the smallest team we've had on. It's not a big team either though. And the quality of the book is so high for the size of the team. So like, first of all, kudos to that. I was going to get there in a moment, but just your options for character backstories and like designing characters. Like if you're making up your own, like there's a ton of pre-made characters for you to use if you want to, but character creation is incredible in this game. So I was wondering if, yeah, if, if you want, I can, can elaborate a bit on that. Uh, yeah. Let's do yeah, that. I, 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 I can tell you what was the reasoning there. We wanted the game uh, that people can just pitch to their friends at the table, maybe between a six months campaign of D and D and and the next. Uh, and it's like, hey guys, do you want to take a break? Because uh, this is a game about fairy tales, and and uh, they can give you the pitch that uh, uh, Nick was giving you before. And uh, the good thing about it is that because fairy tales have such iconic characters, we took most of the famous ones and broke them down for you and rebuilt them uh, so they are these new characters that you can use. And for each one of them, there is a great illustration. And on the um, other side of the of the sheet, uh, you find all the information you need to play. So the idea was that you could just, as a GM, you as a storyteller, as we, as we call it, you can just spread these great illustrations in front of your friends and say, hey, which one you want to play? And then if, if your friend... Uh, friends rec recognize a character that they want to play. We have uh, very uh, popular characters like, uh, um, uh, I don't know, Baba Yaga. We have uh, Bluebird. Uh, we have the Big Bad Wolf. Uh, yeah, we have our cool. version of uh, Hook. Yeah. Uh, we have our version of the Sea Witch, which is probably most of the people know her as Ursula from, from the Little Mermaid. Um, yeah. So if you want to play any of these characters, we have it. We have you covered, but then if you don't like how we made them, because they they've been sometimes changed significantly. If you don't like how they're, they we made them, or you want uh, to use a character that is not included in the game, um, we have this procedure to break uh, uh, an iconic character and make your own, uh, starting from the background story and then creating all the things you need to play, uh, descriptor gifts. So we can cover them later. The point, the problem with that is that it's a kind of a longish uh, procedure um, because it's not trivial to take a character, uh, find out what's important about him or her, uh, and then uh, decide what to flip. Uh, it's a it's a longish design process, so uh, it's a bit of a secondary mode for the game. Uh, you are, if you want to play fast, you can use one of the existing characters. If you want to make your own, you can make it. But uh, usually in most games, uh, creating your own character is the main thing. Here is that you can do it. It's going to take some time. And usually it, it takes you to know a bit how the game goes before you, you try that. Mm -hmm. um, so, of course, you can do it, but but it's not recommended maybe for a first time you play uh, because it's uh, it's a bit more challenging than, than an average uh, role-play game to do that. And that's why we are offering so many characters they are like let me count i think they are 14 in the base game and then we have yeah. another 13 in the in the expansion and those are your like your really popular ones the ones that everybody knows but i think where this game is really strong when it comes to its character creation is that it allows you to kind of express yourself as a writer just as much as a, a role-play game player because this game isn't it's not like dice heavy you're not going to be running in like a pathfinder character and stacking up your character and making yourself this insanely powerful monster even though you can play as some insanely powerful monsters 
but it really focuses more on the narrative elements and the mystery instead of getting in and crushing everybody in your path. Yeah, that that's correct. Like uh, power play is not exactly the point of the game, even though uh, I must point out uh, that the characters themselves are already very powerful in general because yeah. they are most of them are magical creatures or they have some special ability because they they used to be the villains from from fairy tales. So, mm -hmm. for example, you have uh, Baba Yaga, which can use magic, and and uh, you don't have a list of uh, enchantments or, or uh, spells like you could have on a classic fantasy game that we won't mention. You just come up with what you want to do and describe it. And according to your description, you have to pay some costs. But um, pretty much, like, we have a character called the Immortal. He just cannot die. So yeah. uh, this presents uh, uh, novel challenges <laughs> Novel, cha novel challenges to the storyteller because maybe in other games you're not used to characters that, that can fly or, or they, 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 they don't die. Of course, when I say it doesn't die, it doesn't mean that he cannot be hurt or he cannot be hindered or he, uh, maybe he cannot create a lot of troubles for, for himself. Um, mm -hmm. There are various sources of uh, fun in the game that don't necessarily yeah. come from power playing through it, you know. It's just that this game, literally as a hunter, your imagination is your limitation. Because I have experienced people playing Baba Yaga in ways that I even I didn't expect. Because honestly, whatever when whenever I run these games, actually, for promotions and or whatnot, I always tell my players, okay, these are not your regular character sheets. Anything that you can think of that you think your character can do, do it. Because the only thing that actually we did, we did we did have some com complaints about that. Like I <laughs> I got some feedback from uh, from a guy, a Polish guy, running the game at a Polish convention, and he was saying that when when he presented the character sheets in front of the players, somebody said that oh I never seen a sheet with so few numbers on it, because <laughs> most of it is not numbers. <laughs> Most of it is what you make your character do, and uh, and how you describe what you do. Uh, what what Nick uh, Nick says uh, is, is absolutely true. Like in a way, um, this is a game that uh, forces you to describe a lot what you're doing, because according to your description, you cannot say I hit the enemy. You have to say exactly how you hit the enemy, where how you hit, you the, hit enemy, the enemy, what are you trying where? to achieve hitting the enemy mm -hmm. because according to your description i as a storyteller can decide if we even need to do any kind of check or not or your character is capable enough that they can do it uh anyway without even doing a check so s for some players uh, coming from uh, uh, more crunchy systems uh this might be a bit um uh, you know, they, they, they might feel a bit confused in the beginning, but yeah. I have seen very little um, pushback once people understand how mm -hmm. this works. And actually many have told me, okay, I, I will not go back to how I was playing before uh, <laughs> because I can see that I don't need all these numbers now. I don't need all the... Of course, uh, it's, it's, it's a very different way to play and I believe there's a space for everything. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that crunchy is bad uh, because I would be uh, lying to myself. Like the first yeah. system we published <laughs> as a company is very crunchy. So I also like numbers. It's just that this is not the game for, for crunchiness. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I was going to say, if, uh, if you don't like crunchy, it's a little bit weird because both of you have been like, oh, yeah, call it Cthulhu. <laughs> and that's a that's a bit of a crunchy system at times. When Nick mentioned it, uh, I also had a, a huge childhood spent on Cthulhu, uh, <laughs> so that that's also part of my my horror um, uh, repertoire. Uh, how do you say uh, repertoire? Yeah, exactly. We're not saying we don't like crunchy. It's just that this game is not crunchy in the way it's of mechanical crunchy. It's crunchy in the way that it's narrate to me what you want to do yes and that's the term that has been dubbed emergent narration 
which means basically that the hunters are the ones who are saying what they're doing, where they're going, how they're doing it. And the narrator or storyteller is forming that setting, but it's a, it's a conversation. This game is very much a conversation that has some dice checks involved. And those dice checks would be position checks and defense checks. Could maybe one of you talk a little bit about how these position defense checks work and what exactly they do? I can try. Um, before we go there, <laughs> yeah. I, I just I just want to uh, mention one thing that uh, came to my mind now that you were speaking. Um, this uh, kind of freedom is also reflected in the way we present the scenarios that are included in the book. Of course, you can create yeah. your own scenarios like in any other game, but we have created this structure which is very sandboxy. Uh, meaning that we give you an initial situation. Okay, this is what what's happening. We give you a bunch of characters, and each of them has this thing called agenda. So the way you know uh, how they move on the chessboard, so to say, is that each of them is trying to achieve something. And uh, the, as a storyteller, you always know that. Okay, is this something this character would do? Like, would he? Would this character fight to the death? Uh, if he's actually trying to become rich, probably not. Then he wouldn't uh, attack you right now. He would try to flee or things like that. And um, mm -hmm. we have we have locations, and uh, the main structure of the scenarios is that the characters are thrown into the situation. They know what's happening in the beginning, and then they are free to explore the scenario more or less as they wish. Uh, then, for people that prefer a more linear structure, we also have a suggested. Um, Scan, I don't know if you can say it in English, I'm sorry. Uh, um, suggested suggested um, order of the scenes, yeah. We yeah. call it the scene okay. tree, uh, so that if you don't know what, what to do, you can kind of guide your players a bit in this direction or in that direction, and you know that you will get to the end. Because uh, if you're not a very expert storyteller, or if your players actually want to be told what to do, uh, then you might prefer that structure. But in general, we found it that it's very liberating to have this kind of sandboxy structure because um, when you play that way, it's really hard uh, that you play the same scenario in the same way twice. I've been playing mm -hmm. some scenarios many times and very uh, often they go in completely different directions when you leave more freedom to the players to go to talk to this character, go here now instead of telling them what to do at each moment. Then, of course, this again is a different uh, kind of uh, style of play, so so it might not be for everybody. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. so I'll try to explain how the system works uh, very briefly. I yeah. think that the the first thing we need to do is maybe look at um, the character sheet so we can understand what's behind uh, one of these uh, characters, uh, well, be behind the illustration. Um, okay. Let me find uh, something. I wanted to go with Bluebird uh, because it was well, now, of course, is the only one I can't find. Okay, here. Bluebird so, is such um, an interesting character. I love him in Broken Tales. I know, Basically, the, the idea is that you have the name of the character, you have a little background story. Um, in our version of uh, Broken Tales, is uh, this French aristocrat that um, has had many wives, like in the original story, but all of them have uh, uh, been killed by his enemies, so he wasn't responsible for their death. Um, mm -hmm. And this kind of separates this Bluebeard uh, from the one, uh, for example, from uh, uh, Bluebeard's Bride, if, you, if you're familiar with that game, which is an awesome yep. game. I really like it. Um, but, but, but this is a different character. So uh, Bluebeard here is um, some kind of, it's, it's expert in solving puzzles and problems. Uh, but deep inside, um, yeah, there is this thing that I need to mention. Uh, each character has three gifts, uh, and these are the special abilities. One of them is called the Dark Ego. The Dark Ego is that special ability that reflects what the character was originally. So in our case, originally in the story, Bluebird was uh, an assassin, a, a murderer. So even in Broken Tales, he maintains that uh, feature, but it's called the Dark Ego because it's uh, his most uh, powerful uh, skill. 
and it's the one that can be unlocked only when the condition on his activator is is uh, fulfilled and in this case uh the activator for for uh, uh that skill for him would be uh when you are um revealing your dark side or acting aggressively uh despite your outwardly calm and state appearance for example if you threaten someone then at that point you have fulfilled the the activation of your dark ego and that allows you to become again a violent uh, man like in the original story but other than that he's technically a different person or at least he's trying to be um so as i was saying uh, there are three uh gifts which are these special skills for each of these uh gifts we also have one thing called descriptor a descriptor is a sentence uh, uh, the descriptive sentence that tells something the character is good at and something the character is bad at so um for example uh, the first one of of uh, bluebeard is uh, my specialty is problem solving and i have a talent for analyzing every situation allowing me to find resources and discover clues then the negative part of this is managing danger requires calm and concentration and so i hate acting precipitously precipitously this is a difficult word for me to pronounce but but you got it <laughs> i think <laughs> um so why why the descriptor is important because it tells us what is easy uh, and what is difficult for for bluebird to do uh if I, as a storyteller, think that uh, your descriptor is covering the current situation, uh, then most likely you don't need even to, to do any kind of check. If I think that the outcome of that check is uncertain, then we might have to do this position check. We call it position check because it will, if it goes to, uh, if the outcome is positive, it will position you in the scene in a different position than where you were before. So um, in this game, there's no check that can happen that leaves you exactly in the situation you were before. Like uh, in some games, if you try to, I don't know, like break down a door and it doesn't happen the first time, uh, you can try for a thousand times until you, you, ma you manage to do it. In this game, every time you do something, there is a change in the situation. Um, you can bring into the game the negative part of your descriptor to gain experience. So if you create troubles for yourself, you make the situation more difficult for yourself, then you can mark this descriptor and at the end of uh, certain periods, you can, you can spend, uh, sorry, you can um, translate this into XPs and, and spend the XPs to make your character better or, or do other things. Um, okay, so now that I cover a bit the descriptors and gifts, I hope uh, uh, in a way that is at least understandable. Um, the way these position checks work is that the storyteller will give you an opposition level. It's a difficulty level, okay? Uh, we have three standard ones. Uh, uh, the easy is three, then we have the medium is five, and then there's the hard, which is uh, seven. Um, so you need to at least reach that level, uh, that amount of successes to, to pass the, the position check. Um, if your descriptor uh, is helpful in the situation, you start with three base successes. If you have nothing that is applicable, then you start only from one. Uh, and then the rest of the mechanic is that you need to decide how to fill the gap between the number of successes you have from the descriptors and mm -hmm. the opposition level. So, for example, if you have an opposition level of five and one of your descriptor, uh, descriptors can help, then you start from three and you have a gap of two to, to fill. Um the ways you can fill this this gap is uh, you have two ways. You can roll dice, and you can roll as many dice as uh, as you want. And I will explain that in a moment why you would want to roll more. Um, but even a single one on a die makes makes the the whole uh, action uh, fail. Okay, so when you use the dice, you introduce the possibility for an action to fail. The other way you can uh, fill that gap is uh, using this uh, finite resource, which is called Soma. 
and every character has a certain amount and they can regenerate it uh, under certain conditions, but it's hard to come by. So you need to be very careful how you use it because every point of this Soma you spend is an automatic success. So it allows you to fill one uh, gap point, so to say. Uh, however, this Soma is also used to activate uh, some of the gifts. So you need to be a bit careful how you use it. The cool thing is that you can mix these two things. So you can decide, okay, I need to fill two uh, gap points. I will roll one die and spend one Soma. Now, uh, the, the, the other important thing in this game is that this is very different from other systems. The character has, sorry, the player has to tell in the beginning to what kind of outcome they're aiming at. Because there are three okay. kinds of outcomes in, the, in this game. So if you just reach the opposition level, exactly the same number of successes as the opposition level, you obtain an outcome with a cost. That means that, yes, the action uh, succeeds, as you described it, but also the storyteller can introduce something uh, bad that happens to you. Like you can lose an object, you can get a, a wound, um, maybe, uh, I don't know, the key you have in your hand breaks or something like that. Uh, if you uh, overcome the opposition level by one point, then uh, you have a standard outcome. And the standard outcome uh, means that uh, the action happens exactly how, as you explained it. And then if you um, overcome the opposition level by two points, you not only succeed in your action, but also you get an increment. An increment means that something positive happens and uh, you can negotiate that with, uh, with the storyteller. Uh, and some increments, so, sorry, some gifts also have special increments. If you have an increments to spend, you can activate some sub special power. Okay. Okay. So that, that's the, that's the idea. And the reason why you might want to roll more dice sometimes is because you're trying to obtain, uh, for example, an outcome with an increment. So you are risking more rolling more dice that can introduce, uh, the possibility for a failure. Uh, but you're aiming for the, for the higher outcome. And uh, this is a bit confusing for some players in the beginning because uh, in most games, you first roll the die and then they tell you what happens. But here, you decide beforehand what you are trying to achieve and to which degree of success, right? So mm -hmm. that's pretty much the um, overview. I don't know if I've been clear enough um, or if you have questions. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Your successes deal with parts of your character sheet and descriptors that help build out what you're aiming for. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one other interesting interesting aspect is that we don't have HP here. We have wounds, and each character mm -hmm. in general can take only up to three wound wounds. Um, and the wounds here are um, they they are technically descriptors. So when you're wounded, you just don't lose one wound. You you need to write down. Okay, uh, I have a slash across my arm, um, and the reason why you have to write that down is because it has narrative impact. So if you are yeah. wounded and you are losing blood, it means that if if you're trying to flee, people will be able to follow your blood trail. Um, mm -hmm. If your knee is broken. There's no way you can escape or you can uh, climb a tree or something like that. And also, yeah. it gives an indication to the storyteller how long it would take for that specific kind of wound to be healed uh, uh, organically or um, through magic or whatever it is. So mm -hmm. everything you do here is, is very descriptive uh, because um, according to how the description is, this is something I haven't said, that opposition level can also be lowered or, or, or raised um enemies also have descriptors and uh according to to their descriptors your uh, the opposition the standard opposition level might be raised or lowered um if you're trying to hide and uh there is a dog that is uh, looking for you and his descriptor says uh i have a very uh, keen sense of smell uh and i don't know maybe you've been in the um you're, you're covered in filth, uh, let's say, uh, then probably that position check is going to be harder than normal for you in that specific situation because the dog is specialized in that specific action and you are at a disadvantage now because you're covered in filth. 
And yeah. with this, I think we cover 95% of the system. <laughs> <laughs> so actually that, that system running and reception was something that I actually wanted to talk to Nick about. Nick, you've run this game a lot mm -hmm. on stream. Can you tell mm -hmm. me a little bit about player feedback, what you've learned about the game, and just your experience with it? Most of the time, since this is a... It's a very theater of the mind game. You actually don't need maps or any visual aids to play it. Uh, what happens here is that you have... You need clear communication between the players and the storyteller. Because yeah. if the players don't ask the storyteller specifically, oh, uh, if they don't say, okay, I'm going to go into this area. Okay, now the storyteller has to ask, okay, are you looking for something specifically or are you just walking through? Let's say they're walking to a graveyard. Are you going to be looking for anything or are you just walking through? That's where you start uh, positioning your characters in the theater of the mind setup. Uh -huh. Most of the time, my players are very receptive about um, being very detailed about how they move around in the map or how they move around in the setting. Sometimes when it comes to new players, of course, you will have always have that person who's not yet used to narrating everything that they do. So I'd, I have never had Honestly, I've never had difficulty having someone narrate their actions, especially when it comes to to this game. After after the first after the first thirty minutes of playing, maybe even less, you'd start to see a flow of how the characters interact with each other, even even as they move about in their own mindscape. You'll yeah. have someone who's who's gonna be like, "Oh, I would like to dig up this freshly." This what looks like freshly turned earth and see what I get. And then another player would be like, okay, I'm going to watch this person maybe step away. It's going to, I don't want the dirt to ruin my dress. Something like that. It's, uh -huh. it creates a very interesting interaction between the players. A lot, a lot more than what I, what I normally see in TTRPGs. Uh -huh. And I think that comes with the freedom of flow for for these kinds of games like i think we've made it pretty clear that this game isn't D, D. obviously we don't hate it it's just not this <laughs> this is something very very yeah. different um i would hope that you don't hate D. &D. you are playing it in like half an oh, hour I don't hate, I don't hate <laughs> no, as, I, as I, I mentioned i have several D, D books on my shelves yeah this it's is just, just something that, very uh, different. Nowadays, I try to play something else. That, that's the thing. Something narrative. Yeah, this is about telling a story. And I think that's at the heart of what this game You is. know what? It's also the amount of preps that usually D&D requires that it doesn't fit my <laughs> yeah. adult life anymore. <laughs> totally fair. We're actually starting to run real short on time, but I have two questions. One's a little bit bigger than the other that I ask at the end of every single episode. And this can be as far as like running a game or creating like a world or a story. But what advice can you give to new designers looking to make something, but they're not sure where to begin? I can tell you the the sad truth is is that um, it requires so much work and so much um, perseverance. Um, I've been at this since two thousand fifteen. Uh, it took us uh, seven years to actually six years to do our first international campaign. Uh, it's been an enormous uh, financial black hole <laughs> for many of those years. Many yeah. of those years, like I personally invested so much money that I shouldn't even. I, I do keep track of it, but it's it's <laughs> on, honest, honestly embarrassing. That's tough. Yeah, and uh, even even when uh, um, financially something does well, like Broken Tales did, uh, there can also always be some um, unexpected uh, events. For example, we didn't forecast the war between Russia and Ukraine and all yep. the consequences of it, which are very heavy on everybody who's making games nowadays. 
you can ask any anyone uh basically you can go on on any kickstarter update at the moment everybody is gonna set tell more or less the same things uh the price of paper uh went up the price of energy went up and, and people might wonder okay why do i care about the price of energy you need to send me a game but it turns out that printing press used a lot of energy um yeah uh, the tr transportation shipping has been crazy i think there's been a recently a case with uh the cyberpunk board game from uh come on uh people were outraged by the shipping expenses but the truth is that shipping went like double or tripled so yeah i mean something gotta give you know so um mm -hmm. from the from the point of view of an entrepreneur this is very hard business um yeah. when it comes to you uh showing something to somebody uh, I, ca I can tell you my experience when people uh, contact me it's like hey i have a game i want to show it to you and then they send me 300 pages of stuff to read the truth is that i don't have any time to read things that i we don't make internally because we already have like 10 projects in the queue internally yeah. so if you send me 300 pages there's no way i can read it uh, one good way to pitch your project is that you make a very abridged uh, pitch like a couple a of pages we, we don't no not even the quick start like uh, just a couple of pages what is your project about why should i care show me how do you envision this thing to look so maybe you can invest in one two pictures that actually give me an idea of what you have in your mind that is much more likely for me to to, to catch my attention um the other thing is that uh, most of the games i've been interested in uh, as a publisher to pick up in the end, we didn't pick up any because, as I mentioned, we have so many internal projects. But 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 most of the projects I would have picked up if there would have been the opportunity are projects that I found out maybe on Patreon. Uh, somebody was kind of uh, uh, discussing them and releasing material on Patreon or people that have been very active in the community and bit by bit uh, they show some kind of uh, commitment to what they're doing. Uh, they show some kind of progress, and then bit by bit, I learn about the game at some until the point where I think, "Hey, this is actually kind of interesting. Why don't we turn this into a real game?" Um, you know that kind of thing. It's um, I always meant it to do some kind of course about how to pitch things to publishers because I think ninety nine percent of people <laughs> do it wrong do it wrong and and we have now this uh initiative that we launched earlier in the in the year called the um, twa academy uh where we actually have courses and uh, the first courses are about uh crowdfunding and um uh, i there's one about like how do you keep a group of people together a creative group of people together because that's an, yeah. another problem like people start and then they get bored after three months because they find out it's too much work Mm -hmm. um so i i share my experiences there and and uh they've been useful for some other people uh one thing i always wanted to do is like how do you pitch a game to someone who doesn't know you doesn't care about your game yet because uh, yeah. as i mentioned most of the people do it wrong and and then there's no chance to for their game to be picked up and also and then i, I wrap it up um you can go the other way and do it yourself which is what i did in the end because I thought it was easier to do it myself because I thought, okay, maybe I can do this. Um, it's not impossible. It's hard and it's uh, challenging and it requires a lot of commitment. But 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 you can go uh, the self-publishing way and do it well, especially if you have your, if you have a solid plan, uh, that, that is important, yes. Then, um, uh, Nick, I don't know if you want to add something. Actually, I think you've covered all of it. Most <laughs> of my take is just that if you want to try games that are not... If you want to broaden your horizon in games, try games that you've never heard before. Look up, look up these profiles of games that you might not... At first sight, like you might not try in, in normally. Uh, these games mm -hmm. might surprise you. Yep. Yeah, I think this is very good advice. One thing I found out um, after we I published the first 
um, book, uh, which was uh, this uh, g- generic system called the Monad system, which is the, um, the basis, right? Pro- pro- progenitor of, of the system we have in Broken Tales now, which is called Monad Echo. Um, I found out that it was my ideal game. I put together all the ideas that I had for a game. It maybe was a bit too much. That's why I was saying earlier that, that it was quite crunchy. Uh, but some ideas were pretty good, and we um, uh, brought them um, to, to Monadeco in a simplified form, a streamlined form. But uh, one thing I learned is that in the gap that I had when I moved abroad and I didn't play as often as, as, uh, as I used when I was a teenager, um, game design for role-play games has evolved so much. And I think it took me maybe 10 of the last 15 years to catch up with all the cool stuff that came out and uh, new ways of thinking <laughs> about problems. And yeah. it was a really useful exercise to to find out what's out in the market. And you might think your idea is great until you find out that 10 other people did it better. <laughs> so so it's very important <laughs> that you are aware of what, what's out there uh, before you pitch a game that uh, made sense in the 90s but doesn't make much sense now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really solid piece of advice too. Tomasu Phoenix, where can people find out more about you? And obviously Broken Tales. Yeah, if you want to know more about Broken Tales, I, I would suggest um, the the website is thewordanvil.com. Uh Remember the article, The Word Anvil, because there is also a wordanvil.com, which is a word-building platform, and it's not us. <laughs> so if you go on <laughs> thewordanvil, thewordanvil.com, you will find all the links for uh, pre-orders to Broken Tales. We're going to have, uh, by the time this episode is out, I think the PDFs are going to be available. Uh, there's going to be a link to our Discord community. We have hundreds of people there now. And uh, I love when new people join because I want to grow it. Um, And then there are all the social media links. Uh, Personally, if you want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter uh, at TDebenetti, which it's probably hard to spell, but I don't know, maybe in the description of the episode we can uh, write it down. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, for me... You can mostly find me lurking in the Discord channel of the bro- the World Anvil because, of course, doing my moderating job, trying not to trying not to let the the community implode on itself, <laughs> or or contributing to the implosion anyway. <laughs> no, and there's very little that, drama. Let's let's not <laughs> undersell it. I think there's very little drama in our community. <laughs> Yeah. Other than that, you can also find me mostly on Twitter where I post all of my streamed game schedules or I retweet some of the promotions from channels that I play on. Uh, on Twitter, it's going to be Phoenix Writes with two S's. And then on Twitch, I also have a Twitch, a personal Twitch account, which is Phoenix Writes TV because someone has Phoenix Writes on Twitch. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know how you have time for your own Twitch channel. Like, you, <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't sleep, Phoenix. Let's be honest. Yeah, let's Nick, be honest. I don't sleep. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what sleep is. Yeah. Really. Nick and I met through Shadowrun and Fool's Moon Entertainment, and yeah, that's that's been a lot of fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> as always, audience, those links are going to be down in the description down below. Go check out Broken Tales. Like, go watch some of the actual plays for it. Join the Discord. It's really cool. I really like this game. And thank you both so much for joining me this week. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, audience, for listening. Tomasu, Phoenix, and Broken Tales, they're scheduled to launch really soon. So go check it out. Pick it up. But until then, take care of yourselves. Have a good night. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Tommaso and Nick for coming onto the show this week. This one was pre-recorded like 
a really long time back, but with Halloween coming up and the spooky season being right at our doorstep, now might be an excellent time for you to hop in and try this amazing dark fantasy role-playing game. PDFs are available on the World Anvil's website, and I highly recommend checking it out. And thank you as always for listening, audience. And thanks for indulging in last week's episode for a trial listen of Terminal Moraine. I got a lot of amazing feedback on it, and we'll make some adjustments in the coming weeks. Hopefully it'll be available by the end of the year as an actual show. If you like either show, though, and want to hear more, let a friend know as I don't spend any money to advertise the podcast. I'm also starting to run out of people to have on the show. So if you or someone you know is working on an indie project and wants to come on and talk about it, hit me up. Let me know. Let's have a conversation. That's all for this week, though. So take care of yourselves and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.